What does it take to create a more equitable workplace? How can we harness the talents of people on the autism spectrum or with similar neurodiversities toward meaningful employment? Those are the questions that internationally recognized social enterprise Spestia Sterna has been focused on for many years. Originally founded in Denmark by Torkel Sone, Spestila Sterna now operates in 12 countries around the world. To learn more about its work and impact, we speak with the leader of its North American operations next. Welcome to In the Business of Change, where we speak with social entrepreneurs impacting their communities and the world. I'm your host, Elisa Birnbaum, publisher and editor-in-chief of Sea Change magazine. On today's episode, we speak with Alan Chris, CEO of Spestila Sterna Canada and the U.S. In our conversation, Alan shares how he got involved with the organization and its evolution over the years. We discuss the employment challenges of neurodivergent employees, and then we look at what Spestula Sterna is doing to change hiring and management practices in order to create workplaces that are not only more equitable, but good for business too. In 2013, I was approached by, uh, by a fellow who was interested in starting up a business that was modeled after something that started in 2004 by this fellow named Torkel Sonne, who's based in in Denmark, and the, the businesses, business was one that employed primarily autistic persons as uh, consultants that worked mostly in IT services and administrative services. Mm-hmm. And it was a it was a profitable, small profitable consulting company that had one international recognition for the work that Torkel had done and for the for the approach that he'd taken. Uh, and, uh, so it seemed like a, you know, a, a social enterprise that was doing some really good stuff and leading the way. And so this fellow approached me and said, Hey, what if we did something like that here? And I, I, you know, I, I have a business background. I don't have an offer profit background and, uh, but I had helped get some startups off the ground before that and was good at, at business strategy and knowing what's required in order to get something going. And, it was supposed to be like a free one hour where he'd buy me lunch and, <laughs> and then I would give him some advice and then we'd go our separate ways. But, you know, we, I remember we were at this sushi restaurant and we were there until dinner time, still talking about the idea. It just was so intriguing to me because, you know, it, it, it was a, it was a business solution to a social problem. And I, I love being a problem solver and I have a lot of experience in business. And so mm-hmm. I, I thought I could, you know, sort of volunteer and help out. And over time, as it evolved into what we ended up launching, which was something different from the original idea, uh, it just became obvious that it was something that I could, uh, I could jump into and really help make happen. And so we founded that organization back in 2014 was when we got it off the ground and, and, uh, and we've never really looked back. The original idea was what we, what we fondly call specialist journal 1.0. Uh, okay. Yeah. Which was a, which was an IT consulting business. Right. But at the same time as we were talking to, so we, 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 we approached them and they were speaking to us and we talked about launching something and then they said, well, why don't you do what we're doing? And so we oh. said, yeah, we'd do that. And then they, it turned out that at the time they had been negotiating with uh, the world's third largest software company, SAP, to 
help SAP to do the same sort of thing as they were doing at Special Sterna, but for their own business. So SAP right. wanted to hire people and, and they announced that they wanted to hire 1% of their global workforce. People in the autism spectrum would work for them and that we were their global partner in doing that. And it turned out that at the time of the five global sites where they wanted to pilot this idea, two of them were in Canada and they didn't have a partner to deliver that in Canada. So we so became their partner. And then, so Specialist Turna 2.0 was, and, and to some extent we still do that, we do a lot of that work, uh, is helping other businesses to recruit, onboard, manage neurodivergent talent. Okay, got it. And you're overseeing US and Canada right now or? Correct. Okay, because yeah. I think when we originally spoke, I, I spoke to interview you for the book that I wrote in the Business of Change. Um, and I I'm, I could have been mistaken, but I thought you were just overseeing Canada then. Am I correct? No, in in uh, in May of of 2020, in the depths of yeah. lockdowns and COVIDs, uh, <laughs> I was asked to, 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 to help manage both okay. Canada and the U.S. And, and since that time, we've... We've amalgamated our approach, okay, and and so we're delivering across North America in a similar, consistent way. Yeah. Okay, that's great. And yeah. so um, we talked a lot about how this all you all you came here without actually getting into the nitty gritty of um, the organization itself, the company itself. Could you, for those who haven't heard of it, um, what would you say is 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 how you would define what you what you're about and what you do? Sure. Yeah. So Special Sterna is a global uh, organization. So we're part of a global group of, of organizations, each one operating within its own jurisdiction, all towards the ultimate, the same ultimate goal, which is to, to be a catalyst for change in the way that the employment market operates and in the way that the employment market uh, values and works with neurodivergent talent. So persons with autism, and other neurodivergence, for example, you, you know, the common ones that people think about are ADD or ADHD. And, and there are so many others, uh, dyslexia and dyspraxia, and mm. um, it, the list goes on and on. But the, 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 the main point is that from what we learned early on is that from our perspective, from a layperson's point of view, and from a business perspective, there's a whole group of people with, with hidden disabilities and hidden differences who face pretty similar barriers in accessing employment. And from the other side, from the employer's side, those employers face barriers in understanding and identifying talent in this group. And so pass them over before understanding the amazing talents that, that they could be accessing. And so our global objective is to help the employment market and employers more specifically to have better tools and methodologies that are more inclusive that would help them to identify talent and fill their talent needs with this group of people and any other diversity or, or group of people. Just to give a sense of, of your impact so far, I mean, what, how many um, employers are you working with now? We work with, we work with dozens and dozens and I can, I don't even, actually, I don't keep a number okay. of the number of employers that we work with because, because, because I mean, it comes in, sometimes they come and go and, right, 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 and, uh, right. but, but we work with many of the, the best known companies in North America and globally. And we work with lots of smaller employers as well. 
Um, we work with most of the major banks in Canada. We work with technology companies and we work with um, uh, consulting firms and manufacturers, so all over and some the retailers. We're, we're well beyond IT and we're well beyond sort of what, what a lot of the um, stereotypical ideas that people have about, about autism or about neurodiversity might, uh, might drive in people's heads. So we've learned that, that people have both ambition, interest, and capability across the spectrum of job types and, and industries and so on. And that's exactly what I was going to just say. It sounds to me that, you know, you've gone way beyond that, that traditional mindset, um, uh, which is amazing because you're, you're offering a new way of looking at, at the potential uh, for right. Right, neurodiverse. Um, so, and, and which also brings me to my next question. Um, you know, the organization has been around a long time, as you mentioned, there's a whole history to it. Um, it's obviously faced an evolution of sorts over the years. And, and, and also you did mention, this is something um, that in each region it might be practiced and be approached a little bit differently, but for you personally in the work that you're doing first uh, across Canada and then um, North America, how have you seen um, the organization evolve to, to meet the changing demands? Um, sure. And also in terms of definition, I know that started off with, I remember seeing it, just using the term autistic or people sure. with autism on the spectrum. Yeah. And now it's, yeah. So how would you address that? Well, I think uh, there's been a, so it's, it's almost a decade now. And uh, I think one of our biggest impacts or one of the biggest, but a big, biggest changes in the market is employers interest and society's interest in diversity and the value of diversity and the importance of including diversity within a workforce, particularly, which is where we're focused. Mm -hmm. We really no longer have to make the case that it's worth doing this sort of work for most of the customers that we are working with and for the people who, you know, for the employees and, and managers and, and leaders within those organizations Really now their interest is in more in the how do we do it mm -hmm. rather than should we do it? And there are many, many other organizations that are out there that have started to support the labor market and, and, and businesses as well as, as, as neurodivergent persons. So that's a big change. And we used to talk about ourselves as a, a you know, that specialist from a 2.0 as I yeah. was talking about earlier, that would be a, that would be a, 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 an organization that's primarily focused on recruitment and onboarding. So we would say we're an organization that helps employers to recruit, onboard, and manage um, people with autism and similar neurodiversities. Mm -hmm. Today, we talk about ourselves a little bit differently. Today, we talk about ourselves as a a specialized HR practice or a consultancy, I guess. Yeah, specialized HR consultancy that brings the unique perspective of working with neurodivergent candidates and employees. And what's really interesting about that is that is that our talent pool uh, strains HR practice and shows where there are real weaknesses. And what's really cool about that is that then you get to fix those things that most people know that those are places of weakness in the, in the system, 
but they're kind of just good enough to hold together. Well, when we, when we find ways to stress them and show cracks, we can fix them. And then it actually shows solutions that are better for everybody. And so it brings the concept of universal design. And that, what that did is it created hope for us and a path towards helping to, so when we talk about transforming the employment market, what we really mean is taking the last piece of the way that businesses operate and evolving them into what, you know, today we, you know, the, the future essentially. So, you know, if you look at the way that we operate, most organizations, things like the way we communicate, you know, over Zoom or, or video conferencing or the way we transport, you know, the way we manage delivery of goods and warehousing and just in times and all these types of, everything has evolved. Technology makes things so much better and, and so on. Except we still use these ancient practices for how we evaluate and manage the most important factor in our production capacity, which is the human factor. Mm-hmm. We've not evolved past interviews and resumes and <laughs> these types of things. And everybody knows that they're not too good. In fact, they're quite junky. And the, the research shows that. And yeah. that those are the primary barriers for our, you know, for, 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 for working with our populations. But we have better tools. They're out there, they're proven. And and if you implement those tools in a in a real way, you can actually stop using mainstream crappy mainstream processes and actually use thoughtful evaluative tools and st- structured HR practices that would bring you into today's world and, and help you manage everybody better. Hmm. So you're able to provide more of a holistic sort of um, service in, in That's that regard. The, we're, we're, what we're showing is, is, a, is a window into what the future can be for most organizations. So, yeah. so I think the evolution is that the North star for most organizations would be to follow what that SAP concept was and say, okay, well, we're going to create a program where we're going to hire some autistic persons and bring them in. And that'll close some gap for us. Or Microsoft did the same kind of thing. And EY is well known for doing the same kind of thing, but these, these are, these are not the future. These are what you could do today. Right. What those programs do is they acknowledge that your mainstream programs actually aren't filling that gap. So you create these specialized programs. Whereas what we really need to do is to evolve our mainstream programs. So we don't need specialized programs. And that's what we're showing a window towards. So it's a more inclusive talent management model. So what would be the greatest challenges or barriers in bringing an employer onto your sort of your roster as a client. You, you did say that they're, they're sort of the buy-in is a little bit easier in terms of the why, but you know, are there still challenges and what, what do you have to? Absolutely. The, the, the biggest challenge is that um, we're, we're shifting a paradigm mm-hmm. and we're asking the employer to, uh, to recognize that they're swimming in the water <laughs> essentially, which is, you know, who doesn't think that you would use a resume to sort of shortlist your candidates and that you would use an interview to decide whether or not you're going to hire them. Right. And for us, resumes are, they're a small tool, but they're not really important. What we care about is the competency of the candidate and, and the alignment of those competencies against the needs of the job. Mm-hmm. And you can't evaluate competency most of the time in an interview. And a, and a, a resume is a sort of an unstructured 
there's no, there's no, there's no agreed format for what a resume really is. And so it's just whatever somebody decided to say about themselves in some kind of a format. And so it's not an easy thing to evaluate. So we put structure around asking a person to define their interest and competency and capabilities around a job and their motivations and that kind of stuff. And then we put structure into, around evaluating those competencies. And we care a lot less about credentials. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for example, the research shows that people who attended law school in night school great, make great lawyers. But most organizations want to hire somebody from a really well-known law school. Right. Right. That just doesn't align. And so it's like that across right. industries and job types. So, and so what we do is, is we ask an employer to leave aside their preconceptions and their experience around how to evaluate people. And we say, here's a better and now well-proven model for evaluating whether or not this person's going to be successful in this role. And by the way, here's the data on how well your process works. <laughs> and here's some data on how well our process works, but it still is different. And it's still comparatively, our process is comparatively a bit more expensive, right. takes a bit more time. And so that's probably the biggest issue is that we can't just slot into an organization's recruitment process and say, oh, here are the two things you need to know and now start hiring. Right, right. But in fact, it's follow this different process and, and everybody's going to come through this side door and then eventually they'll be back into mainstream. But so, yeah, that's the biggest thing is just asking organizations to take a step, stop, wait, learn, do it differently, and then experience the results. And I guess I'm assuming once you've proven that approach works and they're happy with uh, the way you, you know, you, you match um, candidates with the, with the needs that they will come back as, as again and again, uh, if they've, if you've been successful. Yeah. Most of our, most of our customers are repeat customers. It's pretty, nowadays, it's pretty rare for us not to continuously, you know, build the relationship and hire more and more people. Yeah. The exciting conversations are the ones that we're having with customers where they're saying, oh, really, like I, we can see this universal design idea. Let's work together to figure out how to change some of these mainstream processes to make them more inclusive as well. That's great. Our North Star is a million jobs. So how do you measure um, the impact? It's, a, it's pretty challenging to, to measure the impact. Uh, we're working on, on the, the macro measurements. Yeah. You know, it'd be more like how many neurodiversity programs are there in North American businesses? How many businesses have have launched something like that? How many organizations are doing it? It's pretty hard to know how many people are being hired. Right. You know, one of the things that Torkel said to me really early on is that, you know, a million is a big number and we're probably not going to do that ourselves. So we have to count those who we've inspired as well. And I think mm. that that's absolutely true is there's so much inspiration. There's so many organizations that either we got them launched and going and they're hiring hundreds of people per year. Right. Uh, so that's, th- those are the macro measurements and we do a bit of that, but we don't have great numbers on that. The other way that we measure impact is on the quality of the outcomes in the programs that we run. So we look at things like what are the retention rates within job categories for our recruits versus the mainstream recruits and what are the time to productivity rates and productivity rates and 
what are the impacts on teams and employee satisfaction and that kind of stuff. And then for employees, quite specifically with, with the people we hire is, you know, how confident and comfortable are they in their job? And, mm -hmm. and on all of those measures, we track that kind of an impact. And we are always trying to beat mainstream and we're always trying to show that if you follow a track like this you'll have better outcomes than if you follow what you're doing today right i do remember that number you mentioned before the million number um it's a tough it's a tough metric though we see a million jobs as a north star for us right and it's it's uh it's it's about having a transformational impact on the employment market it would be impossible for us to actually measure yeah. how many jobs and how many humans have been impacted by this thing. No, of course. But it's totally clear. If you look at the literature, you look at the number of, of universities that are studying neurodiversity in the workplace, and you look at the number of programs that are out there, and you look at the interest as it grows for our organization and for others, that this is, this is starting to hit, you know, a stride. And, uh, and, and so that, that's an impact that we're, we're proud of having been a part of. Absolutely. And uh, having said that, what are any lessons that you've learned along the way? It's been a while that you've been doing this. Um, yeah, we've learned so many things along sure. the way. Can you yeah, think of I like think... maybe one or two that some others can, can learn from? And it's a very unique model. I think that if you're an organization that, that is considering doing something like this, mm -hmm. That, uh, that having an open mind to doing things differently and being prepared to invest in it can teach you a lot of lessons well beyond getting a few people hired. Working with an organization like ours does effectively guarantee that you're going to get some people hired if that's something that you want to do. So you're going to do that, but you're going to learn a lot more. Right. But you should be prepared to, to invest. This is not about a social service solution. Don't expect somebody else to pay you to hire people who are going to do good work for you. Instead, prepare to pay us and pay the employees to help you to access this talent pool and you will reap the rewards that all the other organizations that are working with us and others like us yeah. are reaping. This is, a, this is a great talent pool and the perspectives and the workability and the capability of the employees that we work with uh, is as good as any out there. And if you're experiencing talent shortages, we've got talent. You're the place to go. <laughs> we are. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. The work you're doing is, is phenomenal. It's really important work. And so um, I'm really glad we had the chance to talk. Thank you. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to meet with me today. Thank you. The work you do. Thanks for the work you do. <laughs> Take care. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to In the Business of Change. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to hear other conversations with inspired social entrepreneurs and change makers working on challenges in their communities and across the globe. I'm your host, Elisa Birnbaum.